Hey, awesome. Great to see you guys. We are, we're so glad to be back. We weren't here last week because we were at a phenomenal fall retreat. We had students from different campuses around the state of Michigan, and we came together for a very significant time in the Holy Spirit. Um, I believe the Lord really did something awesome. I know he did in many of your lives. And we would love to hear from everybody, um, and we hope to eventually, but we do want to just give one person in particular an opportunity to share because I know that the Lord did a great work in Kennedy's life. And she's going to come and just share a testimony of what Jesus was doing at Fall Retreat in her life. So come on up again, Kennedy. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I went to Fall Retreat last weekend. And so basically, like a, a summary of where I was at before last weekend was um, I've been dealing with really bad anxiety and, like, just general um, like depression, like pretty much my whole life. Um, and at the beginning of the year, um, I remember Pastor Nino preached a sermon about like, like praying about like what you want God to do in your life this year and like what, what would be like the theme of this year for you. And I remember God telling me that he was going to like completely heal my mental health by the end of the year and I wouldn't have to deal with any of that anymore. And so like for fall retreat, I was like, like anxious because school had just started and um, my schedule was pretty bad at the beginning of the semester. So I was just like not having a good time at the beginning of the semester. And um, I was thinking like, okay, yeah, this is going to be like a good opportunity for me to get away from school and hang out with my friends. And I just don't want to think about anything at all. And that is not what happened at fall retreat. Um, I I felt like God was telling me that I needed to ask my friends for prayer about it. So um, they, like, gathered around me and prayed for me. And I just, like, felt so incredibly loved. And, um, like, my needs were important to not only God, but, like, to the people around me. And I was, like, like ugly sobbing all weekend. It was, it was so amazing. Um, yeah, and ever since then, I've just felt like a, like a, um, a noticeable shift in my outlook because now I feel like I have control over my emotions when that starts to happen to me and it, it, I don't feel helpless anymore. Um, and also, <laughs> um, going into college, I thought that I was going to be pre-med. I was like, I'm, I'm in Orgo right now. I'm like on my way to like being a chemistry major. Um, at Fall Retreat, I, um, on Sunday morning, God was like, no, that's not what you're doing. Um, so on Sunday morning, I feel like God, like, confirmed, called me to the missions field and, um, to do the CMIT when I graduate, so. (laughs) Okay, well, the altar is open. Come on, everyone. Oh, man, thanks for sharing. Why don't you just stay here? We're going to pray for you. Yeah, is that okay? Um, I mean, I, I can't promise you won't be doing ugly crying. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Ugly sobbing. Um, hopefully, you know, you, this won't embarrass you, but I do want to pray. Can, can we pray for Kennedy? I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something. Oh, he has done something, but just join me, would you? Let's welcome him. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We stand with this wonderful young lady, our sister in Christ, and we speak against Satan's 
attacks and anxiety and depression, we say, you are done. You are conquered through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a daughter of the King. She belongs to Jesus Christ, and she is his. And we thank you, Father, that you have put an end to the anxiety. God, we thank you that in the future, battles will come. We know that. But when she faces battles, you are with her. You are there. You are surrounding her. You are within and without. And there is no weapon that is formed against her that can prosper. There is nothing that would rise up against her that will uh, take her down because Jesus Christ is this woman's Lord. And so we stand with her in faith. We thank you for the work you did. We thank you for blessing her setting her free, and thank you for giving her wisdom and direction for serving what I believe is the most strategic mission field in the world, the University of Michigan, and the work you're going to do through her now and in the years to come. We thank you for her, and we bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yep. Thanks for praying. Awesome, awesome testimony. Well, I wanted to, um, before we get into my uh, message today, just a quick review. Um, I mean, the, the testimony that Kennedy just shared is, is a testimony to the working of the Holy Spirit. And at H2O, we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well, that he is working in our midst. He's doing a work that we cannot humanly do. And a few weeks ago, uh, if you remember, I preached a sermon. If you don't remember, that's okay. Just don't tell me. Um, I preached a sermon on the spiritual gifts. Anybody remember that? The spiritual gifts. Very important gifts that the Lord has given for the, the uh, furtherance of the gospel and the, the uh, unity of the body. And so real quick, just let me review just for a second with you. Um, so there are three groupings of the spiritual gifts. You guys remember that, right? There are the power gifts, the gifts that do something. There are the revelation gifts. Those are gifts that reveal something, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, um, and discerning of spirits. And then there is the speaking gifts, right? Those are words, spiritual gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit that say something, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. And um, I wanted to share that with you because I believe that what I'm sharing today really ties well into the spiritual gifts because I'm going to talk about prayer with you. And prayer is a doorway to the spiritual gifts. I mean, prayer is the doorway to everything that God has for our campus, our lives, our families. Before we do that, I want to give you one other reminder of Pastor Francis Chan's quote. This is the third time I think you guys have heard this. Maybe God's trying to get us to understand something. So Pastor Chan said this, if, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. Amen? I agree. I'm going to give it a little twist, though. I'm going to modify this just for a second, not because I think the quote is wrong, because I just want to expand on it. So this is the Pastor Nino version. I'm going to rip off his and do the Pastor Nino version. If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to stop praying, to stop praying. So you are um, surrounded on this campus by people that are spiritually asleep. They're in a state of spiritual slumber. Satan has given them a 
<clears throat> a spiritual condition of, uh, of slumber, and they need to wake up. And I believe that one of the greatest ways you can wake them up is by praying for them. You can shake them in the spirit, and you can say, wake up. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning is prayer, and specifically my sermon will be called, Wake Up. I'm excited to share this, but I'm even more excited about what I think is prophetic and what I believe the Lord wants to do after the sermon. So um, not that I'm not, I don't think my message won't be important, but I just think God wants to do something significant after I'm done speaking today. I've been praying about it all week. I believe the Lord wants to touch us, wants to work through us in a very powerful and prophetic way. And so just want to prepare you now in faith. Let your faith kind of rise up. Be ready for what God is going to do today. Um, if we chase after him, I believe he's going to do something really significant and supernatural. And with that in mind, I think we should pray. How's that sound? Instead of just talking about it, can we welcome the Lord here? Just open your heart with me, okay? Let's, let's, let's open our, our spiritual eyes to Jesus. Jesus, we have the privilege of, of prayer through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and through his resurrection from the dead and ascension to heaven, we have access to you through prayer, and we do pray. And I pray that today, as I speak on prayer, that this will be more than just a good message or uh, eloquent speech. That's not what I want at all. Lord, I want an encounter with you. I want the Holy Spirit to shake us. I want you to wake us. I want you to wake up those around us. And so, God, we open our heart to you, and we pray that you will accomplish what you desire this morning, not what we desire, not what I desire, but what you desire. And we give it to you now, and we ask it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today I'm going to talk about a specific um, type of prayer. There's many types of prayer. Just as there's different spiritual gifts, there's many types of prayer. But I want to talk with you about a particular type of prayer that has supernatural power to wake up those that are sleeping. And this is called intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. And I'm going to open by telling a story about a group of college students from 200 years ago. Are you ready? Let me show you their picture. It's kind of an interesting picture. It's kind of funny, but let's, let's put that picture up. There they are. Look at, look at those. Don't they look kind of like Chris Payne? Interesting. So my wife says not really, so probably not. Let me tell you the story. This is 1806. Those are college students. They used to dress differently than you. Divine circumstances were about to reveal to the world the new unlikely heroes, Samuel Mills, James Richards, Francis Robbins, Harvey Loomis, and Byram Green were about to decide their destiny. These five college students at Williams College in Massachusetts found themselves in a time of revival and spiritual awakening that was sweeping across America in this small college town. There were many prayer meetings being maintained by students all over campus. One, to which these five men belonged, met in a meadow north of college, and it was a hot Saturday afternoon in August. 
These five left to pray and to discuss William Carey's small booklet, An Inquiry into the Obligation of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of Heathen. It was a controversial book that laid on believers the weight of responsibility of world missions. There were threatening clouds in the distance, but the group met faithfully despite the thunderstorm that was approaching. As they discussed world missions and specifically the needs of China, their attention was focused so intently on their responsibility to the unreached that they failed to notice the speed with which the storm had approached. The young men were too far away to run for adequate shelter, and they were soon trapped by the angry thunderclouds. Within minutes, the sound of the thunder was deafening, and the pouring rain and strikes of lightning drove the students to scramble for their first shelter available, a haystack. As the storm rolled over the five, they continued their discussion, and beneath the cover of that haystack, Samuel Mills, the leader of the group, continued to insist that the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be taken to those who are lost in China. Now, I'm going to pause just for a second here with my story. You might hear that and go, what's the big deal? In 1806, there wasn't the concept of world missions that you guys know about. We're doing International Student uh, Sunday in a few weeks. We have missions trips. This is all a part of our culture. In 1806, this was not a part of American Christianity. American Christianity was not reaching beyond her own borders. It was simply a, a Christianity here. And here's this man, this college student, saying, guys, we got to bring the gospel to China. And China seemed so far away 200 years ago. And they all were inspired to act by Mills' passion except for Loomis. Oh, Loomis. He argued that it was too dangerous in China. Ooh. We must wait until they are civilized, he maintained. Samuel suggested that they make it an issue of prayer, and they began to pray over the wail of the storm. All of them were praying except for Loomis. Mills, remembering the objections of Loomis, prayed, O oh God, strike down the arm with the red artillery of heaven that shall be raised against a herald of the cross. Finally, after singing a hymn, Mills looked at the others, and over the roar of the drenching rain, with the flashes of lightning reflecting in his eyes, he cried out, we can do this if we will. Something broke in that moment. It broke loose in the hearts of all five. In the future, they all pointed back to that one moment as the moment that changed them forever. The five later consecrated themselves to, to the full devotion of the Great Commission and taking the gospel to every nation. They felt it was the job of the American church to send its own missionaries and propose the General Association of Massachusetts to be the first American missions agency. This haystack prayer movement became known all over the surrounding area, especially among college students. Now, if you go there to the very spot where the haystack was, the haystack is gone, but there's a plaque. And right there, you can see it today. I encourage you guys, if you're ever out east, just to go and stand there and pray. Pray and just thank God for what he did. It says, on this site in the shelter of a haystack during a summer storm in 1806, five Williams College students dedicated their lives to the service of the church around the globe. 
Out of their decision grew the American Foreign Missions Movement. Now, my story can't tell you how significant this was, because it's just a story. But I'm trying to tell you, I want you to understand how powerful a prayer meeting among college students can be. The world missions movement from this, of the Assemblies of God, our entire church, from all the evangelical churches in America, find their roots right there. Five college students like you praying and saying, we can do this if we will, change the entire world for Jesus Christ. Intercessory prayer has tremendous power. And so let's get practical here just for a moment, and let's talk about intercessory prayer. What is it? What is it? Let me put this slide up for you. What, what were these five guys doing, and what do we do when we do intercessory prayer? Well, obviously, intercessory prayer, the word intercessory comes from the root word intercede, to intervene on behalf of another. Obviously, we can intercede in many manners. It matters. It's not just prayer, but we're talking about interceding in the area of prayer. Intercessory prayer is a prayer for others. An intercessor is one who takes the place of another or pleads another's case. Intercession is holy, believing, persevering prayer whereby someone pleads with God on behalf of another or others who desperately need God's intervention. Standing in the gap for someone else, lifting up those that are spiritually asleep, coming to the throne of God on behalf of another. All of this is intercessory prayer. This is what it is. But what does it do? Well, I want to look at a scripture today that is um, sometimes overlooked when it comes to intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is throughout the Bible. I mean, when you look Old and New Testament, you will see men and women standing in the gap throughout history. But what I wanted to do was kind of talk about Spiritually, one of the things that's happening when you intercede for someone else, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. What are we doing when we intercede for those who are spiritually asleep? 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Stop there for just a moment. Intercessory prayer is warfare. We are in a spiritual battle. We're in a war. And it's a spiritual war. But uh, as Paul says, the weapons that we are using are not of the flesh. So this battle is not being fought with guns. It's not being fought with swords. It's not being fought with arrows. What is it being fought with? It's being fought with divine weapons. They have divine supernatural strength. And that primary weapon is prayer. This is how we fight the battle. I remember... When I was a, a new convert, there was a, this is kind of hilarious, kind of embarrassing story, but I used to listen to a, like a Christian heavy metal band. And the funny thing is I'm not really like a heavy metal guy at all. I mean, like some people here. Um, they weren't really heavy metal even. They were just kind of strange. It was like the Christian version of Motley Crue. And their name was Petra. No one knows what Petra is, do they? Oh, you know, oh, you know, Petra. 
And there was a song, man, and I, when I would hear it, I would just be like, yes, Lord, yes. They had their big hair and stuff, and they'd be like, and, they would, and the line was, get on your knees and fight like a man. See? You want, when you talk about fighting like a man, you think about what? You know, uh, fighting in a cage, boxing, but no. They said, no. You want to fight like a man? Get on your knees and pray. I don't know. It just always touched me. It's embarrassing, but whatever. But 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They have divine power to destroy strongholds. So prayer is our weapon. It's how we fight. And what does it accomplish? It destroys what Paul calls calls strongholds. Strongholds. Look at verse well, actually, let's stop there. Don't even, let's not even talk about five yet. I want to talk about what is a stronghold. So as you intercede, as you pray, you are breaking down strongholds. Let me show you this picture here. Actually, this is a really cool uh, structure. This is a uh, castle from, that was built um, uh, like 1050 A.D., I believe. So it's almost 1,000 years old. It's in Spain, and it was built by the Knights Templar which are this, like, mystical, like, group of warriors. It's really interesting. You know, you'll find them in video games all the time. So the, the Knights Templar, they built this structure, and it is just, to me, it's such a quintessential-looking stronghold, okay? It's a defensive structure. So let's talk about this. What, what is the military purpose of a stronghold? Well, let's say that... Um, a nation has a military, and their objective is to destroy or to conquer another nation. And they, they would invade uh, the country, but they can't take the entire country in one, uh, one day, right? So you would invade the country, and you, let's say that this army takes 300 acres of land, but the, the land that they want to conquer has millions of acres. 300 acres is very small. It doesn't seem like much. But see, their goal is to take the land little by little. So they would take the 300 acres, and then they would begin to construct a stronghold. And that stronghold, it's like a, another way to describe it would be like a foothold, right? So if you give up a little ground, and the enemy comes to your land, and, they ta- and, he, and he takes that 300 acres, he then builds a stronghold, And then from that stronghold, he goes forth and takes another 300 acres and then a 3,000 acres over and over and over until ultimately he takes the entire land. This is similar to how Satan works in the lives of people. He will come into the lives of individuals or groups of people and he will take a small segment of their mind, and he'll erect a stronghold, a stronghold. What is that stronghold that Satan puts in the mind of people? Well, look at verse 5. Let's go back to our passage if we could. Paul says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. These Arguments and lofty opinions, these are, these are wrong thoughts. These are heresies. These are lies. So Satan will come into the life of a person, and he will take a small 
um, section of the mind with a lie or a false thought, and that it becomes a stronghold. And then that person begins to think incorrectly. And then that stronghold will then be the launching pad to ultimately and hopefully take over the entire person. And this is the same way that militaries do it in the natural realm, but it's how I've seen Satan put people spiritually asleep. He will kind of like lull them in a state of slumber. Um, there was a movie that you guys would know the name of, and I, I'm not like a movie buff, but I remember it was like a group of people that were going into a casino, and they were like put asleep. Oh, well, he's feeling me now. He just woke up all of a sudden. What, what is this movie? Oh, Percy Jackson. Oh, now we're all awake. <laughs> Percy Jackson. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember? Okay. And see how they just got lulled into this slumber, this state of sleep. They weren't even aware of time. And so what I've seen in, in my own life before I was following Jesus and people around me is that the enemy will... Take up strongholds in the minds of your friends, your family, your parents, those around you. And stronghold after stronghold, he will lull you into this state of slumber, of numbness, where you forget who you are. You forget your calling, your destiny. And how do we wake them up? We wake them up through intercessory prayer. We wake them up. We get on our knees. We pray. We say, wake up. In Jesus' name, wake up, come out of it. I see it's, it's kind of like another metaphor. As I was thinking about this message, I thought of like um, somebody that's in a house and they're in a deep sleep. Anybody a deep sleeper here can just sleep through anything? Oh, man. All right, Julie just pointed to Chris. He must be a real deep sleeper. I used to be a deep sleeper until we raised four kids. How you, how you sleeping now, Nancy? <laughs> oh, man. Sleep? What is sleep? Um, so I think of it this way. And again, every metaphor is, insignif- is, is insufficient to describe the spiritual principle. So I get this is not perfect. But the way I see it is, let's say one of your friends is, is, is a deep sleeper, and she is out. You know what I mean? And the house is on fire. But that person that is in a deep sleep doesn't even realize that the house is burning up and she's about to burn up. So you got to come in there and you got to just get hold of her shoulders and just wake her up, right? Shake her. Wake up. Wake up. The house is on fire. I see intercessory prayer that way. I come before God and on behalf of that person, I say, wake up. Wake up out of your slumber. Get up out of that bed. Wake up. Look around. The house is on fire. Your life is on fire. You might not see it because you're sleeping, but wake up. Wake up. Intercede. These strongholds that Paul talks about that we can demolish. Think about that. Our weapon, prayer, can demolish false arguments. It can destroy lies of Satan. We can, in the name of Jesus Christ, break them down. Well, these strongholds are not only in the lives of your, some of your family members and your friends and your classmates, but they're over entire people groups. Now, we don't have time to go into this, but we see in the scriptures, especially in the book of Daniel, that there are demonic principalities over entire cities and regions and nations that will attempt to capture the minds of millions of people in that geographic location. 
We see when Daniel was praying and praying, and eventually the angel, I believe it was Michael, right? It was anybody, Bible scholars here, that came to his aid eventually? Is that who it was? I think it was. You guys are looking at me blank stares. Okay, read the book of Daniel. And I believe what he said was he was delayed because he, he had a battle to fight. There's a battle going on. There's angels that are battling demons right now. There is a spiritual battle for souls. And this, these strongholds can be over campuses. The University of Michigan has strongholds, doesn't it? Well, it's time to tear them down. It's time to intercede. And uh, we, we got something more powerful than a protest or a march or a writing a letter to the president. We got a direct line right to Jesus Christ. You can just tear it down. You can pray. You can break down these strongholds for your friends, for your classmates. You can shatter these things and set them free. Oh, man, I was under so many strongholds. I had so much bondage in my life. And I'll never forget, uh, after I was converted uh, to Christ as an 18-year-old, and um, in large part to John, who I've told the story like, eh, You've heard it a thousand times. Uh, so John Marucci had witnessed to me, and I'll never forget um, if I'm remembering the order of when I talked to him. But after my conversion, I spoke with John, and I hadn't seen him for like six years since I had come to faith in Christ. And I was telling him about my conversion, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, yeah, when you were 16 years old, I used to walk around your 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 neighborhood, and, and I used to pray for you. You'd pray for me. He was doing spiritual warfare for me, for this little prideful Italian sucker that was caught up in every stronghold known to man, alcohol, sexual sin, arrogance, drugs, rebellion. I mean, you take your pick. What stronghold do you want to pick? It was me. There I am, you know. And he said, um, I, I used to pray for you. I walk and pray. Praise God. He was doing warfare on my behalf. He was breaking down strongholds. Man, he'd go by my house proudly and just rebuke the devil. <laughs> so, amen. We, when we intercede, we are using these divine weapons that have divine power to destroy strongholds. In a little bit here, we're going to pray um, this morning, and I feel like well, we'll see. I mean, what I sense from the Holy Spirit, and it's hard to know, you know, um, but what I sense is that the Lord wants to use us to break some strongholds today in your parents, in your siblings, in uh, your classmates, roommates. God wants to break something, children. Um, but I, before we do that, I just want to affirm you guys. Um, man, I, I've been, Tammy and I have been here at H2O for a long time. I can't even believe it. It's been 18 years, or, yeah, 18 years. And I don't like to exaggerate, so uh, I want to be careful with what I say, but I think this is the, the greatest movement of prayer I've seen, the greatest hunger I've seen among our students to pray in 18 years. And I'm so excited, you students, for praying. You're doing spiritual warfare. You're breaking things down. You're setting people free. And... Um, I just want to say that you know, Tammy and I are so excited. We totally appreciate it. We were students here a long time ago. We were people praying like you. Her life was changed. My life was changed. I mean, 
prayer. You guys are praying and praying and praying. And gosh, speaking of the fall retreat, I mean, it was such a proud, like, pastoral moment. I'm, like, standing in the back of the room, and I look, I'm like, where are some of our U of M students? Oh, yeah, they're the crazy people praying constantly. And it's just like praying and praying and praying and praying. Isn't it true? You guys are praying, and prayer precedes awakening because people are asleep, and the way you shake them out of it is prayer. There's no other way, man. Pray, pray, pray. You know, these, these intellectual arguments are fine, but when someone's in a spiritual slumber, you got to, it's drastic measures, right? You got to pray. And so um, I'm super excited for what God is doing among your generation. I mean, I just am excited for you guys. Awesome, awesome. And what I think we need to do today, and, and I'll be with you. I'm going to be joining you. I'm going to be right here. Um, I'm going to be praying for, uh, you know, my wife and I, our youngest daughter is, is hurting. And so, and she's in a spiritual slumber. And today I'm going to be at the altar. If anybody wants to join me, I'm going to say, wake up in Jesus' name. Because it's not her. She's asleep. She's falling asleep. But God's about to wake her up. He's about to wake her up. And you might have parents that need to be woken up. And some of you have friends and some of you have siblings that aren't serving Jesus. Classmates that you've been praying for, you know. I believe God wants to do something powerful today and breakthrough. Amen. We're going to say, wake up. Wake up in Jesus' name. Wake up. Get out of that bed. Get out of that slumber. Amen. That's going to be amazing. So that's what I think we're going to do. We're going to pray. And um, I'm going to invite people in just a moment to come to the front. If you want to join us, uh, the band's going to play uh, a worship song. Just, uh, and I asked them to play it kind of quietly. I know sometimes the band, they get into it, man. It's just like I want us to be able to at least hear ourselves praying. I've been in altar time sometimes where the band is getting louder, and so then I'm praying louder, and then, I, then my person next to me is praying louder, and the band's louder before you know it. I'm like, and Lord bless his person. You ever been there? And it's just like, wow. So we're going to have just some nice, quiet music playing, and so you guys can intercede. May the Holy Spirit put somebody on your heart even now. Who is that person? Like I told you, I, I know who's on my heart for today, but who, how about you? Who do you need to pray for? Who do you need to intercede for? And, um, and we're going to intercede. God's going to break something. Fathers are going to be touched. Some of you have fathers that need a touch from God. Siblings. Some of you have siblings that need Jesus to break through. They're asleep and your heart's broken. We're going to break through today. Amen. We're going to use that divine, powerful weapons to break through students on this campus that are close. You know them. We're going to pray for them. God's about to break through. Amen. Let's, let's stand up together. Can we? Jesus, just may you blow through this place with your Holy Spirit. We are going to be intercessors this morning, and we're going to stand in the gap for friends and family, neighbors and roommates, and we're going to say, wake up prophetically. Wake up. You're going to wake them up, Lord. So God, we give you this time. We pray that you will lead us prophetically. And we give it to you. Amen and amen. If you'd like to stand in the gap, you want to pray, I invite you to come down here to the altar. Let's pray. We got lots of room. Fill it up and let's seek the Lord.